everybody, I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today, I'm joined by Hallie Warner. Hallie, how are you? Pretty good. How about you? Doing awesome. Well, one of the uh, most pressing topics right now, whether you are a consumer, an employee, an employer, the question that we see in headlines right now is, where are the employees? Right. Where, where are the workers, where are the workers? And if, and I'll tell you before we even, cause we're going to have a couple different perspectives on here and we're also going to talk about seven signs your employees are about to quit and then what to do about it. So we're going to give you some takeaways, but what's really interesting, even as a consumer, the other day I was in, um, I was in Stowe and Sarah and I went to go lunch at this favorite place. And of course it was like the one Sunday that we have no kids. Right. Um, and because uh, my mom had them, and she was like, "Yeah, it'd be great to go to this. They have like it's this big salad place, and it's awesome. And a lot of times, trying to bring your kids in there, it's just it's it's hard. So, anyways, we're gonna go down there and have this. And we show up there, and there's a big sign at the door that says, "Our cook didn't show up today, and we have no staff. We're closed." Yeah, and I think that that happens. I mean, even in Vermont, that happens a lot. So I can't even imagine like in larger cities. Actually, when I was just down in Nashville that um, happened quite a bit. There was places that were understaffed, yeah. a couple places that were, I think they were closed or had to close yes. early because of um, staffing issues. And even when we were in Jackson Hole in, in August, and anybody went to Jackson, they had 50 to 60,000 visitors per day. They were pinging cell phones and the most they've ever had. And you couldn't, restaurants wouldn't even take, they just, they, they literally took their phone off the hook. Mm-hmm. No joke. They took their phone off the hook. Because they just had, didn't have the staff to do it. And there were signs, most people probably seen their signs like, we're low staff, please be patient. And, uh, you know, to even bring this full circle, like, think about like our academics right now. Like, schools are having a very tough time finding custodians. They're having a very tough time finding bus drivers. Bus drivers, I heard bus that. drivers is a big one right now of like, they've had to delay school openings because they didn't have enough bus drivers to be able to go out there and actually bus kids around. Um, and the, my, uh, my daughter, Sienna, in a little proud dad moment, she had this, like, uh, she was, she, the whole class got an opportunity to put your name in there to be student council at, at, uh, at third grade. But so she did the way they did it. They had to present and all those things. And she, her solution was trying to find solutions or the problem was that there's not a custodians in there. So teachers are having to do a lot of the work. In fact, mm-hmm. back up a second, we got an email from our super superintendent basically said they are so short staffed on custodian that the teachers are having to push brooms, sweep, change trash, just like they are everywhere's here. In fact, our office building, I know. our CFO the other day for one of our companies was taking out trash because nobody, our, our cleaner had to quit because he couldn't literally left us because he had no staff. The staff decided not to show up for him and he couldn't do a building of this size. So it's being affected anyway. So anyways, pull back to Sienna, Sienna, out there and said the, the you know one of the biggest challenges that we don't we have a custodian problem so they obviously must have talked about picking up for themselves and she, and she her solution was how each student could contribute to helping out with the custodian problem which is kind of cool but um and so it's just there's wherever you are schools as an employer right mm-hmm. um as an employee you know what are the you know wherever you or a consumer right that's even le- people things like even logistical things like trying to get a pool trying to get yeah, everything plumbing slowed, slowed supplies down. for yeah. like yeah. just even a handle, like not talking expensive and then non-expensive stuff. Yeah. Go to the grocery store and there's half of what used to be there. And ev- I mean, everywhere I go, which isn't a lot of places, I'll be honest, but everywhere I go, there's, there's, we're hiring signs yeah. everywhere. You know, I walked into, um, in Vermont, there was a, in one of the uh, local gas station chains around here. Uh, I think it said like 1850 an hour. 
really for working at a cash register. So there's two things that are, you know, and so what is causing all of this, first of all, right. And everyone has a different thoughts and there's a bunch of different articles that are out there, mm-hmm. you know, overall, I mean, when I, when you kind of synthesize this data, the number one thing is, is I think over the last 24 months, several things have happened financially, which we'll get into, but also there's just been a general shift in how people see their life. Right. That I think that's a starting position of how people just started when they went home. They realized that it, they, they paused for a few minutes because no matter what worker you were, you most likely paused. Right. I don't care. Even if you were a medical worker, you had some time or whatever it was, you pause and started reflecting on your life. So I think that kind of turned the wheels in a lot of people. Like, am I happy in my life? And then obviously you spend so much time at your job. If you're not happy with there, that can be a, a big dissatisfaction in your life and or people could accept that, but then say, I'm going to make a change. So it doesn't mean that they, just because you're dissatisfied with something doesn't mean it needs to ruin your life. It just means that let me let go of this. And then, you know, I just have to put that in there, right? You can let go of it. You can still be accepting where you are, but then make the change. And I think what we're seeing over the last 18 months is people waking up and making those type of changes. Well, and we're going to talk about this too, but, and having the finan- financial means potentially, right? Or the financial cushion to actually be able to make those changes if they so choose. Yeah. You know, there's, there's an article in the um, New York times that, that Americans are flush with cash, which you did not like that terminology. No, I didn't. Um, but the, in the people that, it's accurate. well, the people that benefited the most on a percentage basis were actually the lowest income earners. And that's why they said more Americans are flush with cash. Now, I think a better way of saying it, just like you said, there is more people have a financial cushion in place. Well, I think also that article is just a perfect example of how you can use numbers to tell whatever story you want. Yes. Um, And so, yeah. Well, because it basically went from basically having a $300 savings to a $1,000 savings. Right. So, 70% increase. Yes. Yes. And and the reality is it's still a very low number for emergency funds for any type of family that's there. However, that being said, it is still higher. So, people have a financial cushion. Again, that's the average. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it in terms of, you know, people that, you know, that had un, um, you know, unemployment benefits that were lar- longer and larger, and larger. Mm-hmm. that additional benefits, they're not necessarily tied to um, like even like people not paying their rent because it was being subsidized or somehow like there because they were mm-hmm. laid off. So they got to save up money or they applied rent forward. And so people kind of woke up and said, um, and there was some, some additional hazard pay for some jobs yes. as well. I don't think it was a lot, but you know, all of that little you know, bits and pieces do, does add up and, and everything's relative, of course. So. Well, I also think too, that all the headlines have caused people to say there's, there's so many, um, well, it's kind of like the hurt effect a little bit. So in August, how many people quit their jobs? Oh, uh, 4.2, million. 4.3 million people, a record, right? Represented nearly 3% of the workforce in August in one month alone, 4.3 million people quit their jobs. So when people hear that, they go, oh, it's my turn to quit their job. It's kind of like if you ever see a neighborhood and somebody in the neighborhood, say there's 50 houses in the neighborhood, somebody puts their house in the market. Well, it's social proof. Yeah, right. And then Mm -hmm. instantaneously within 30 days, like three or four other houses are listed. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's the same thing. So I think people are seeing the headlines, like employers are looking for people. They're willing to pay more. And okay, I haven't gotten a raise yet in this current job and I don't really like it anyways. So I'm going to go ahead and quit um, with my financial cushion that I have and then search for another job and know that I'll have an opportunity to go find one. Right. It's less risky yes, or seemingly less risky right now to 
to make some of these changes. Yes. Here's the the issue with a lot of this though, is that people aren't necessarily seeing, but they're going to start feeling full circle is how this drives inflation. Mm-hmm. And what really inflation just means that your buying power isn't nearly as strong as it used to. So if you could have, if you had a dollar that used to buy a, a can of peanut butter for a dollar, the dollar buys a half a can of peanut butter now. So it's actually less. Or if you make $2, but now it costs $3 for the same can, it, you didn't really go forward. And that, and, and, and inflation was, was measured at 5.4% last month, which is pretty interesting. So what we start to see though, is when, when, when those 4.3 million people quit, the majority of the people that were in there quit in low paying, high kind of, um, like retail, long hours, long hours, hospitality, healthcare, social workers. So kind of lower on the lower pay spectrum, um, when long hours and also but some in professional business services yes, as well, there was, there was like a half a million or something along yeah, those lines. Over 700, yep. And, and also though, the, a lot of those people were also more, this was a, one of the articles I read said that they're more, um, apt to being around strangers with possibly COVID. So, cause the Delta strain was kind of hitting pretty hard in, 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 uh, in, in August during that time, it's come down now since as when we were recording this in October, in late October, but it's, um, that was another factor of people being around all these people in restaurants, like they were, their exposure rate was higher. So that was another reason that was kind of causing them to go, Hey, do I really need this right now? What, what it does is what it's ended up doing though, is so if you're an employer and you own a restaurant now, all of a sudden you have to start paying double for your staff to be in there. Who do you think bears that cost? right? The, ultimately the consumer, consumer. does. Mm-hmm. And the, here's the other thing is if, if stores now start to go out, if other businesses start to go out of business, i.e. restaurants, the or other retail, or retail yeah. the other ones get busier and guess what they do because they're busier. They start raising rents or raising prices. Yes, yes. So everything starts to rise. So the consumer's going, I just quit my job. It's great, but now I can't buy anything out there. And it's like, you're hearing that and there's a supply and logistics demand. I mean, go buy a retail car right now. We just bought a, uh, a new car for we have no pair and we had to get him a car. We couldn't find one anywhere. And then they're charging a $10,000 markup on a normally priced car just because they can. Yeah. And it's like, you can't even negotiate with that. Cause there's, there's like, yeah, it's up $10,000 almost over MSRP. We're like, why? And they're like, well, because if you don't buy this five other people will. Well, and I've also been hearing just like on Instagram and stuff, you know, all of the influencers who do a lot of like shopping guides for the holidays. I know this is such a small, <laughs> small example, but they do. They're all doing them now because they're like, if you plan on shopping for yeah. Christmas, yeah. like you better do it now because the, the lead time on yeah. shipping and just the, the supply chain is so long um, that uh, you better start shopping today because you're never going to get it by Christmas if you don't. (laughs) You know, there was some, there was some news. That's actually a good good point for everybody. If they take anything away from this episode, maybe they take (laughs) away that, like start shopping now if you want to buy anything for anybody and get it here. I mean, I always think cash is (laughs) a great gift. That's true. Um, There's going to be a run on banks for that now, right? Um, So, uh, you know, this week, Zillow announced that they're stopping to buy homes, which is more than just a housing um, component to it. If you actually dig in in there, there's a, there's several factors that I think people should be aware of. Then we're going to get into some, some, some signs that your employees um, are about to quit and then what they do about it. But just from another anecdotal story is when, so when Zillow, a company like that stops buying homes, basically what that means is they were buying. So if Hallie wanted to sell her house, Zillow would come in there. It's kind of like an iBuyer program. They buy it, they fix it up and they sell it very small margins and all these different things. And the incentive for me as a seller is I just need to sell my house. Yeah. And then you want to get it out of it yeah. and you, you get, you get it done there and, and, um, any of those things. So there's a lot of iBuyer programs that are out there, but anyways, the, um, the, 
there's a couple of things to unpack from there. So they froze buying any more houses. They basically said, we can't do it. They, they, they cited a couple of things. One, prices are really high in housing. So that kind of gives a pause of going, if Zillow is saying this, where do they think the housing market's going to go, right? If it, they thought it was going to go up and they can make money, they probably wouldn't have froze it. The second component is they can't mm-hmm. find laborers. That was the second component. Uh, to, run, to, renovate to, to renovate the houses. Yeah. They can't find anybody to do it and supplies. So maybe they find people, but they can't find supplies to actually do it. And running a construction industry, every client hates us because of that, right? And that, now they don't as much because we're actually, one, you're just explaining, like this could be a normally a six-month build. It could be a year because of supply issues, right? Yeah, just yeah. If you don't want to buy the house, then that's great, right? So just understand that. Um, so we're setting that expectation, providing that clarity a lot more now. But um, So it's interesting to see them. But if you dig deeper into that, I think that there is there is more of them being worried that they don't want to be holding the bag. Their stock price is down dramatically this year, and they don't want to be holding the bag in a bunch of debt if the real estate market changes. Mm. And so there's again, it's speculation. You mean if but it basically cor- corrects, it corrects itself, it's a and all right of a sudden, yeah, if they started paying ten percent more than what market value is, which is everybody's kind of doing that, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, in six months, and they renovate this thing to get it done, and now it's back to zero percent, and they yeah. put. 5% cost in there yeah. and they have a thousand houses, right? right then right. they're going to lose it. I actually read an article um, that three, uh, 12% of the homes for sale in Phoenix were owned by uh, three iBuyer programs. Oh, wow. That's 12%. That's yeah. a big number, right? So who they don't want to be left holding this debt if the real right. estate market Because cor- their entire corrections. business model is based on being able to buy, renovate, and sell fairly quickly. One of their business models, One yes, of them. Yes, 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 is is to be able to do it. It's our iBuyer program to be able yeah. to do that. And, and now- If they were going to hold it for 10 years, it wouldn't be an yeah, exactly. issue. Black, BlackRock, the big company, not my company, yeah. um, buys and they flip them up and then rent them, right? And then they wait uh, for the next yes. period, which is a different yeah. business model. Right. But they're buying it, flipping it, and trying to do it and trying to generate leads for consumers to sell back to them for different things. So the, the business model is sound, but it's just when they stopped doing that, it was actually not just a sign to the real estate industry, but uh, I saw a lot of large groups pick up on like the Washington Post, even Morning Brew picked up on it and like just saying, hey, Zillow signs. So again, they have a bunch of analysts looking at those things. And, and the question becomes out of all these articles at the end of the day is, is where does this, where does the economy go from here? Mm-hmm. Right. And that is going to drive a lot of the people that quit their jobs, make the right decision. Do all of a sudden people start searching really quickly within a 30 day period to find jobs again, because their unemployment stops, their extra benefits stop. They run out of their cash because the holiday season's coming up and people spend it more. And all of a sudden people wake up 60 days from now going, oh man, like I was in a great position. Now I'm not. It's almost like a course correction of what the last 18 months look like. Not for everybody, but for the general population that could be. And then if that starts to happen, people start pulling back spending yes. because now all of a sudden they don't have that cushion because they spent it because they quit their jobs or they had an emergency or they had a medical or they had to fix a car. They had to, they went on a trip and they cost more money because they went out, whatever it is, right? All these things start to happen. And then what, what, what the effect of that is though, is people then instantly stop saying, I can't spend any more money. Mm-hmm. And that's not one person. That's the general part of the economy. Then everyone stops spending money. And then everyone's going, I have a surplus because I've been trying to go extra demand to provide this. Now I have more. Now I need to get rid of it because I don't want to be holding on to it. And it causes this kind of rapid effect to correct itself. And so that's really interesting to see how this unfolds uh, over the next, call it 90 to 180 days. You know, you know, three to six months from now, we could be looking at a completely different employer employee market. Mm-hmm. We may not, but we yeah. could be. And that's, it's just unknown. However, 
cycles always come into play and cycles always correct themselves. And so I, it doesn't mean that it's going to be like a 2006, seven, eight. We've already talked about that from the housing market, but if the stock market or housing starts correcting itself to where it really needs to, right. To come down to a more nominal amount or just even starts staying steady for what it is and starts to allow demand to come up and pick up to where it needs to be, you'll start to see it more balanced out. And I think, you know, that's a better word is just kind of, if you're driving a hundred and you bring it down to 50, you're still going at 50 and you're still going on a good clip, but it's not a hundred. So it's going to feel different for everybody. And that effect will cause people to just withdraw from spending. And then you're going to start, you could start seeing this entire shift around. It's just kind of interesting to see. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to see some of the signs of these larger companies like Zillow doing things like that to start being the first ones to say, pause for a second here. What do we really think is going to happen over the next 60, 60 days, 90 days, right? Cause they pause it till to basically December 31st, which is 70 three days. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's a long, yeah. they just say, well, what's going to happen? Let's just wait and wait. see. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people are, even employers from even my standpoint, like we want to hire people and I'm kind of going, I want to, but like, what, we're going to wait and see like what, what's really going to happen. Is it is right? Because we want to actually, that's a great example. We're like thinking about hiring for some potential pent up demand Yes. or, or I don't want to say pent up demand, but for some future demand that we are forecasting. And yet if that doesn't actually happen, Yes. Then we've hired people that we may have to let go. We yeah. may have overstaffed. Yeah. Which I think some companies are end up doing, right? Yeah. They're going to overstaff to, to accommodate for demand. That's going to slow down. Actually, like, what company just did that, that ended up laying off? Like, I think it was Keller Williams. Yeah. Like, um, like, from the, the mortgage, mortgage company. Yeah. yeah. They, and then yeah. they were like, oh, you know what? Yeah, it was the news. I mean, they laid yeah, off 150 people. people. They hired yeah. a thousand. Yeah. They brought it back down to 850. You're right. Just trying to make sure they could hit the demand. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it happens it's everywhere. a small yeah. number, but a, a, a large number. But that if every company does that, yes. lays off oh, three people, then five people or a hundred people or 200 people. Right. Well, it's all relative. It's all relative percentage. to the side, yeah. right? Yeah. If it's, if it's 10% of your workforce in a company that you lay off, that's a big number. So again, yeah. we don't necessarily know. So it's just, that's why a lot of all these articles, and again, what, no matter what political fashion is weighing in on this, they all come down to this point of, we don't really know, but here's what we, here's the information right now. People are more, have a financial cushion. People are quitting their jobs more because they feel like they have choosy. The economy's strong. What happens if the cycle changes? Nobody really knows. So, and, well, yeah. And I was gonna say, and for employers, it is always more cost effective I'm saying this pretty generally, but it's pretty much always more cost effective to retain your yes, current staff than it is to, um, to have them leave and then to have to go through the oh, whole and the training process and get somebody process. up there. Yeah. yeah it's, it's very, yeah. it's very costly to do that. So what are seven signs your employees are about to quit? Yeah. I think it's definitely important to talk about, um, yeah. because, uh, then we can try to mitigate that and retain them instead. Yes, exactly. Um, August number one. Yeah. So un when you start, um, when they start having unrealistic requests, um, it's so funny because as I was reading this whole entire list, I was like, oh my gosh, I've totally seen this before with, with staff, not all seven necessarily, but maybe like four or five of these points, um, like increased on a salary. They want more t vacation time. They, you know, they just start asking for a lot and they almost with, it's almost, almost like with bravado like yeah. like it's like the ego behind it like hey I, I don't care if you fire me I'm just gonna go ask for it type thing right a little bit yeah or almost like they yeah exactly they know they're not gonna necessarily get it but yeah. they're they have nothing to lose by yes. asking yes yeah, yeah. I don't disagree so like watch those unrealistic questions that kind of like out, outlandish it's or almost like come out of the blue it's kind of like what they're saying is like they're like telling themselves like if I get this I'll stay 
That's kind yeah, of the way to, yeah, it's to like say it. It's like, and if I and if I don't, well, then, then I'm, yeah, I'm whatever, leave. I'm gone. Exactly. Yeah. That's all right. So that can that can show up differently in everybody, but um, especially again, like when it's out of character, out of. The we blue actually saw this staff. with somebody in our one of our construction organizations who, over the last sixty days, if you were shaking your head, you go, yes. yeah, who kind of had these kind of outlandish requests and demands almost, right? Um, and then kind of when we finally got here, we just said no, 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 and they said, here, great, here's my resignation letter. Yeah. We said, great, thank yeah. you, right? But I mean, you know, I think it's just a good example of that they a lot of employees right now know that they have leverage yeah. because it's hard to replace yes. some of these team members. And so they can, especially what we just said, the 4.3 people are million people are quitting. They know that they have some power. Yeah. So the question would be, if you're thinking in your mind, Which like isn't why necessarily a bad thing that employees no. feel empowered. No, they should, but, um, there, there should good for us well, to know. The thing is there should be an equitable balance. There shouldn't be yes. one power in the other. There shouldn't yes. be one, the employer shouldn't hold all the cards and no, neither should the employee. Correct. In fact, it should be just an open marketplace Yeah. where it's like, there should be enough to fulfill. Like, cause everybody's different. Everyone wants different things. Some people want to be able to punch in at eight to five. If you want that, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to work in our organization. Right. Right? right. Some people, but there's other companies that say, yes, here's, we have that and this is what it looks like. And that's it. That's our culture. Great. Go find that. Right. So there should be somebody, I don't want to work until four o'clock. Cause I want to be able to ski every great. Go yeah. work in a retail or restaurant industry. Right. There's, yeah. there's, that's the whole point of an open marketplace is to satisfy all these different yeah. people. We have a friend that's in their almost their 40 and they're still waitressing, if you will. They're kind of like, they're doing that, but they're like, we make a ton of money. It gives me the time to be with my kids during the day. Great. I'm like, look, you don't have to defend it to me. Right. Yeah. Just cause it doesn't sound sexy. Yeah. Like I don't care. <laughs> their lifestyle and yeah. been, sounds like they enjoy doing it yeah, and by the way they have like a hundred grand saved up yeah and they're buying a house which it's is amazing all, yeah it is it's like i'm um, so i'm like wow that's great like congratulations right well you don't ever want to be held hostage by your employees yes but as an i am an employee so conversely i don't really want to ever feel like i'm held hostage to that's what i mean my by employer just, yes, either exactly yeah. right and so even on that that case when people said well if you're thinking like why didn't we save that employee the, the different things i also think sometimes too there can be and you and i are chatting about this like you get to a certain size in an organization you've been with people they've you know been with us five six seven years and then all of a sudden it's like maybe it's just the company's in a different spot mm-hmm. and you actually need somebody new mm-hmm. with different skill set talent or opportunity to see things doesn't mean the other person or persons are bad it just means that the company's in a different spot and so you kind of have this refresh of bringing some new people into the organization with a different viewpoint of how they see the organization i've seen that yeah. with, no matter what was my company or um, facebook or google yeah. or amazon right i mean it's like well and it has a little bit to do with the it's not really about the person, but it's more about the reorganization of the company. Yes, that's exactly which right. Which means a reorganization and reshuffling of the skill sets um, of uh, positions, yes. which then means the reshuffling of yes skill yes. sets, which then means sometimes new people. That's exactly yeah. right. Okay, number two. Oh, vagueness about future commitments. Yeah, it's a surefire way to assess. So basically, like, yes. hey, in ninety days we're going to go on this trip. I'm not really sure. I need to go on this. Yeah, yeah, that's a good example of it. Or just, um, or they don't want to get involved in a project. They kind of like pulling back instead of being eager like they used to. And if you're right. an employer or a manager or a leader and you've seen it, you can recognize this. It's like someone just becomes yeah. off. Like the person's not giving it everything they they used to give it to for all these different projects or even future commitments. For example, well, I was going to say, and for us, when we do like the five daily accountability questions, we often talk about people's long term goals or like their growth opportunities. And so if somebody is saying, yeah, in two years, I want to, I want to become the president of this company and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden they're just like, you know what? I'm not sure what I really want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's exactly right. So watch for the vagueness about any future commitment that's out there. Just, just pay attention to the language in here. Right. Number three, office housekeeping, right? That's such a good one. 
Yeah. Yeah. Basically, they're just like organizing their office, organizing their <laughs> files, um, which and, and for it's actually a great thing because they're trying to set yeah. up success for the next person who's going to come in. Um, usually that's what they're doing if, um, is to make sure that they, they can keep your, their reputation intact and that they keep the company moving forward yes. if they decide to like leave. Yeah. Um, but yes, if they're doing a lot of that organizing and creating operations manuals. We're trying to close and, loop ends and like yes. they want to keep their reputation, but they want to also leave on good standing because yeah. maybe they, yeah. they had a good relationship, but they're just thinking about it. So again, this is as a leader, it's just important to pay attention to all these signs. They remove personal items from their office. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd your pictures? Ah, you know, I just brought them home. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. Oh yeah. Closed doors meetings. Yes. Number again, four. again, when this is not typical, Yeah. because I mean, I have a ton and so do you, we yes. have tons of closed door meetings, but if it's all of a sudden it's not as typical, it could be that they are on the phone. They could be doing phone interview while they're at the office potentially. Yeah. Um, this is, this is all also for people who work in the office. It's harder to tell this when you're um, working remotely, but it could be that they're taking which is more time off or longer lunch breaks or something like that. Um, and sometimes they end up telling other employees about what they are up to. Yeah. The other thing you just in general, and this kind of goes with a thread with all these, is they start to avoid the you. It's like it gets to number six a little bit and changing habits, but like yeah, and five and five, the but bus. like they just you kind of avoid and like all of these. They kind of talk about avoiding direct conversations about mm-hmm. their future, about big projects, about their direction. They just start. They start. They don't want to bring it up because they don't want to. They don't want to go there. They're being right? a little bit more cl- closed, secretive, yes. vague. Yes. And I think it's completely subconscious. Mm-hmm. But it's really for me that all of this just says. Or it could just be conscious too. Or like conscious, They're just yeah. choosing not to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's like, true. Because they feel bad. Or yeah. I think ultimately all seven of these points is that they just change their behavior and their activities. Yes. And yes. so if you are really in tune with your team members, you'll know when they start shifting yes. their behavior. Yes, you can. To, towards these types of activities. Which is number five, which is avoiding the boss, right? Top performers, they often have yeah. really good relationships with their boss and for obvious reasons and they don't want to let them down. Hence, they avoid the boss altogether. Mm. They stop, you know, they stop sending certain emails they used to. They stop sharing they stop books that they were reading. Five daily accountability, <laughs> five <daily> accountability <laughs> questions or they just, they, you, they just avoid like, in, they, they'll keep it surface level. They'll mm-hmm. keep it just enough so they try to stay off the radar yeah. but they don't want to engage in anything so it's just something yeah. to pay attention I think they start emotionally distancing themselves. Yes, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Um, And by the way, just as a, if you're an employee thinking about learning, I think one of the uh, leaving, the best thing to honestly do is just go have the conversation. Yeah. So you avoid all of this. Yeah. And just go have the con. I mean, I know, I know. it's I'm just, so much easier said than done though. I, being, I get it. Having been in that position I get before. It. Yeah, I get it. But just honestly, just going and sitting down and saying, hey, I'm thinking about leaving. Yeah. I promise but you will actually feel a lot better. It's, it's a high risk conversation though. Yeah, I know. It's a really, really high risk conversation. So how would I you just, well, I've just dealt with that many times as when, an employer, as an employer. Yeah. It's totally different when you're an employee. Well, the whole point of what we're talking about conversation is if they're going to think about leaving anyways, yeah. then why wouldn't they just have the conversation? Because they have financial, well, they have that financial cushion. They're flush with cash, Hallie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, they so. have, they have maybe their career trajectory to think about. They have their reputation to think about. They have their finances that they need to think about. Well, I guess their maybe family that they yeah. need to. Think so maybe about. then maybe they, they find somebody to talk to you about their thinking about leaving. It's going to yeah. give them an honest opinion yes. and not their friend. that's going to go, yeah, you should get out of there. It's going to agree with yeah. everything you're saying. Right. Or find somebody or even hire a career counselor or something. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Just to walk through it so that you just, you're not holding that in. I guess the point is just, you don't, you don't need to create an undue suffering for anybody. Yeah. Um, if you're willing to have some conversations, but I get it. Um, there's the, the rest there. Number six is the change in habits, right? 
Are they getting in the office later? Are they, when you walk by their office, like they're switching screens really quickly because they're doing those things. They're just checking, they're checking their phone more on text. They're leaving. Hey, I've got an appointment at three today and Friday or mm-hmm. whatever it is, or I have mm-hmm. to leave during the middle of the day if they're at the office or they have to miss a couple meetings that are normally, if they're not working in the. We saw that, I yeah, think. Yes. Quite a bit, right? actually, um, with a particular person yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of. And they worked remotely. And so, but yet they always couldn't start they stopped being able to make a very regular yes, meeting. Yes, that's exactly right. All of a sudden. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. yeah. That was definitely a sign. Yeah. And number seven, right? Social media and networking activity. Yep. Freshening up their LinkedIn profile. Yes. Maybe they're going to some networking events. You'll see them, again, just be more active, probably mostly on LinkedIn, but maybe on, on Facebook Could be one of Instagram the most telltelling too. times all of a sudden you're like, what do you know? I'm figuring out my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. I'm just trying to freshen that up and, oh, I have a new headshot and, yes. you know, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yes, Nothing wrong with any of that, by yeah. the way. No. But ideally, you would notice these signs and then go have the conversation. Yes, right? that's exactly Or right. maybe never get to this point because you're already having such open dialogue in general about career goals. Yeah. And here's and here's the other thing. If, it, if somebody doesn't want to leave, help them pack if you can't keep them. I'm serious. Like, don't fight about it. Like, if it's time to go, even if they, whatever that is, I just always found that, like, people are going to remember if they, especially if they've been with you for a while. Again, it doesn't mean you have to sit there and give, build them a golden bridge of, like, this crazy severance package. But if somebody's trying to go and you can't get them to stay and it doesn't make sense for them mm-hmm. to stay, then then you have the conversation and be as clear as you can about it, right? And just, and try to support them in some way. You never know when they're going to come back, Hallie, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you just don't, I mean, you don't know. But if you always just let go of the outcome and say, okay, I can't do anything, they're going to go. It hurts and it sucks, but mm-hmm. we're going to let you go. We're going to do this. And then, then go, okay, now I'm excited. Who can I go out there that wants to be part of our culture? Or maybe it's a time that you sit back and go, how do I change my culture so that this doesn't become a problem in the future with employees of top talent that I bring in here? What changes do I need? Or am I, like you said in the beginning, am I clear? Well, we'll get to this in a second. Uh, I guess it's a good time to introduce like, so what do you do to prevent people from actually leaving? Right, as long and provided that you actually want to keep them. Yes. Right. Like well, we're just, assuming that there's people that we exactly. Want to keep. Like yeah. in general, and generally yeah. speaking, though. How do I retain? Yeah. How do you retain your people so they don't feel like we need to watch out for those signs again? However, no matter how good you are, there's going to be people that leave your organization. Yes. I mean, it's just. Yeah. It, it just means just, I think well, there's lots of different things that it could happen, but I just ultimately think it comes down to their goals for their life, including work, business, yeah. whatever, and their life just no long. They don't see how they can achieve those goals any longer by being within your organization. Yes. And, or they have a leader that sucks. Yes. I mean, that's a, that's a yes. big one that we hear from a lot, right? Yeah. Is that the, the, the culture, which IE means that the leadership is not something that I'm excited about showing up for every day. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest ones right now in general is what people are reassessing their life. Like we talked about in the beginning, like the re- reassessment of what they do and how they use their time mm-hmm. is that they're, and I actually even said this, I may even talk about this in podcasts before that even people say millennials don't work. There's maybe there's a truth that maybe there's not. I haven't seen any actually numbers support that. Yeah. My, my viewpoint is when I'm an argument against that is that I just think they're unwilling to work in the same conditions that you worked in. They work differently. They yes. work differently. And so if you, it's not about money necessarily as much as it was about the other, I think the older generation is more about getting to a retirement and getting certain money. It doesn't mean money's not important. Trust me, it's important to everybody, right? Well, it was more about st- it's, stability. Yeah, and, it's more about and, um, predictability. predictability. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you, you live in like, I just want to work here and get this and get my paycheck and it doesn't mean you're not 
engaged in doing things. Just millennials, what you just, what, and we have a lot of them. And part of that is, is that they need to be inspired for some of their work. And I don't mean that they show up every day being like, oh my God, this is amazing. Cause some days it's challenging, but overall they have a culture that supports growth and something larger than any one individual. Yes. And I think another part of it is the uh, flexibility, I guess. Yes. I don't want to say freedom because you, if you're work in, a, if you're an employee, you only have so much freedom. Yeah. Um, but it's that flexibility. Yeah. Well, I would say as an employer, you, you have almost certain, there's only a certain amount of freedom you can have too. Yeah. It goes for both people. Yeah, yeah, it's just, sure, it's sure. a different layer of it, but yes. you only have a certain amount of freedom, right? Yeah. So what do we do about these? Um, how do we, how do we retain? Yeah. So what are the three main topics here? Well, I think, um, I think it comes, it's culture and vision yes. first and, and making sure we're in alignment there. Growth mm-hmm. keeps employees and we can go in depth on those. Yep. And, and then I truly think the third one is compensation. Yeah. Um, I think we can't talk about being an employee yeah. and an employer without talking yeah. about compensation. Absolutely. So culture and vision, right? Yeah. The culture and remember culture is not perks. Perks are like ping pong tables, you know, um, nap pods, nap pods, right. All those different things, right. And which are awesome. I'm not, I'm not digging any of that stuff. If you have it great. Right. But culture is how you act every day. It's what you do, what the organization stands for, which is what it stands for is how people act every single day. Right. We're a culture of model following execution, personal growth, having fun. Right. Like we just, we show up every day and we follow models. If we don't follow models then it's not really our culture. If you want to be very entrepreneurial, you're not going to necessarily fit into our culture, right? Because we have a model that we're all following. And so you just get, the key is that there's no right or wrong on your culture. The part of you being an employer or an employee is that you get to pick whatever culture that you want or do want to join. And so that's the key thing is make sure that you're actually very clear on what your culture is. It's the organizations that aren't clear on what their culture is, is when you have people coming in and out because they can't define what your culture is. Somebody coming into your organization should be know very clearly what they're coming into. What does yes. it look like? Things like even like we expect people to respond pretty quickly, <laughs> right? Yes. We expect people to get their, their items done regardless of, of time yeah. to a certain extent, right? right. Um, we, we expect people to respond on the weekends. Yes. Especially yeah. if it's something that's time cons- that's, that's there, right? Yes. And not necessarily because they have to, but because to. they want to be part of what we're building. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference is like when I call like our leaders or somebody, you know, calls me on a weekend, it's not like it's not a silly question. It's like, Hey, I've been thinking about this. What do you think about this idea? Like, and it's, it's a fun conversation to be part of like a a burden or your, no, it doesn't. Your, your time is being taken from you. You're like, cool. I get to have this quick conversation about whatever this new idea is. And then or just talk through it because on to whatever I was doing. We know what I found is a lot of times in the weekends, people have more space. Yeah. So all of a sudden they have space, they have thinking time, they have thinking time. They want to be able to talk through the thinking before they lose their thought. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what a wonderful plan to do is like, and then if people don't answer this, don't answer. Right. I, I, I rarely leave a message for somebody on the weekends. I may text them and say, Hey, if you get five minutes, I'd love to talk with you about this quick idea. And they may call me in there in the car or driving somewhere over here. And there's no right or wrong. Like you can call, like your kids can still be there playing around and be on the phone. And sometimes I'll even put it on speaker phone so my kids can hear the conversation. So I bring the whole people into it and saying, Hey, Asher or Sienna or Maddie, Hey, we're having this conversation about what this looks like. What do you think? Right. And so you can just have them or I'll recap the conversation to them. This is why I need to take that phone call. This is what we talked about. What would you do? So there's different ways you can bring everybody into it. Right. so I just think there's, that's part of culture though. Yes. And just being clear in the hiring process that, so that you are bringing, um, so that the, the candidates or the new employees that you're bringing on are crystal clear on what your culture is. I do think sometimes, especially if you're trying to with independent contractors, but also with employees, if you're trying to sell them on why they should work for your company, you may end up overselling them or saying things that maybe 
sound really great or a part of your very altruistic mission statement, but don't yeah. actually happen in reality. Um, and I think that's sometimes where we, where employees do leave. They're like, this sounds amazing. I can't yeah. wait to work for this company. And then they get in they're like, this is not exactly how, what they, what they said yeah. is going to happen. And, yeah. and that just goes back to being so clear on what your culture is so that you don't have to deal with an employee leaving 90 yeah. days in where they're like, this is not what they said. Yeah. Or so the thing that take the takeaway from this is, are you clear and are you communicating that? Yes. Right. So if you're not clear, first get clear with yourself and what the culture yeah. is, make it a fun thing. I mean, this is towards the end of the fourth quarter or in, and, and when you're thinking about this, you're thinking about 2022, get people that are involved. And if you're a solopreneur and you want to create one, take some time and write out what does your culture look like specifically with those action items. And then number two is or the part of that is vision. You got to know where you're going, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't know where you're going with your organization, people don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Right. And, and I actually almost feel like vision goes with culture and vision goes with growth. Yes, it does. It's like yeah. the same type of thing. Like I do, again, I think employees leave when they don't know one where the organization is going to your point about the vision, but also how they actually fit into that. And how do, are they going to grow on a daily basis? How is their income going to grow? How are their relationships going to grow? How is their, um, uh, where, where are the opportunities for growth? And, and like, we do map out those paths so that they can very clearly see what's the next opportunity. doesn't mean they'll take it, but yeah. they just want to see what it is. So think about it from this way too. So we, we have culture and vision. Number one is it, the best way to retain employees is are you clear in your culture? Are you sharing your vision constantly? Right. Mm -hmm. Number two is, do you know growth? Like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying is, and is that growth isn't just financial growth, which you get to number three, but growth is like, I'm growing personally. I'm growing financially. I'm growing my leadership skills or my individual skills. I'm growing and I'm, I'm, I'm able to academically grow through some program that I'm doing, right? It's just, there's a whole bunch of different growth You're that's training, there. Training, coaching. Which in order for an organization to grow, what has to happen? Your employees have to grow. Exactly. So you as the leader, leader or leaders that are in the organization have to grow with you. As they grow, they automatically make everybody else grow too. And if nobody else wants to grow, that's when people, hey, this isn't working for me. You went back and said people leave because they, they doesn't align with our goals. That level of growth may not, they, don't, they may not want to work. They want to punch out at five. Like we had an employee that was great, right? But she didn't want to really work after five. And, mm -hmm. and she she's like, hey, I knew what I signed up for. I just didn't want to do this. And so it just didn't really work, mm -hmm. right? And that's great. At least we're all clear about it. Yeah. Well, and, and about the whole, the leader growing, I actually, because I work a little bit more with employees, um, I, it's so com very common that they leave because their leader has stopped growing yes. and they've, they've outgrown their leader and their leader, they're reading the, all these books and taking business classes and, and their leader is just content yes. staying where they are and they don't want to work with a leader like yeah. that. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, you've been clear. It's like, if I stopped growing, you would stop being around me, right? Yes. In our organization and vice versa, right? Cause yeah. like we have to basically be moving together. And I will say this, that if there ever comes a point where people, not just you, but anybody that doesn't want to grow anymore. And they're like, Hey, cause everyone gets in different seasons of their life. Yeah. They may hit a point for like the next four or five years where, you know, they're just like, Hey, I want to go home and I want to write or I want to, you know, um, I would argue though that that's, is that not growth? It's just different. It's a different growth. Okay. I'm just saying they might not grow with what you're growing for. Right. It yes. means the goals are no longer in alignment. Yes. That's, yeah. that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, you're right. Um, or they just may, again, the people, cause I remember reading an article a long time ago and they talked about just people hit different seasons of their life. They may sure. work 10 years with you and all of a sudden they're like, or four years or three years and you know, they just change. So I think we just be respectful of all of that, including you as an employer too, right? Yeah. All those different things that are there. Well, I, I'm listening to the new, um, Anne Hyatt book she used to be the chief of staff for Jeff Bezos 
Eric Schmidt and then Marissa Meyer. Um, so anyway, great book. But she's lo- just talking about, I mean, she worked with the three of them over the course of, I think it was about 10 years as one of the top employees, right? Yeah. And then it wasn't that she wasn't growing anymore. She just decided she wanted to do something different. So she went off and started her own global consulting company. Yeah. So total growth, just a different season yeah. in her life. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Oh, and also growth too, like growth in the organization. I also think that's part of it. Like just yes. growing the organization, like there's growth of you, like, like as an, as a person, the development of you, right. That personal growth, that's part of this podcast, but there's also the growth of the business, right. Which actually goes hand in hand with the vision hand in hand with number three with financials. Because if you want to increase people's pay, you probably need to increase the income that the organization's at. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you mean by growing the organization? So that can be increased revenue, increase profit, decrease expenses, right? I mean, obviously you increase okay. revenue, decrease expenses, you're going to increase your profit or your EBITDA, right? right? So as a point is like you're growing the income. You're not right. just staying stagnant with a certain income. And then, and then it's, then, then it becomes pressure for you to have to, in, to increase people, other people around you because the income's not growing. So I always like to look at this as if I'm constantly growing our world, then ultimately our income should grow, which makes it easier for me to increase everybody else's income because we all grow together. Got it. I heard a, a friend of mine once did it where they said, they would start at the beginning of the year and they use a model of percentage saying, okay, we can have 12% for salaries based on our top line. So if we can increase our top line and we have, and we're now at 10%, we have 2%. We can take that 2% and we can either hire or give raises. I always love that kind of, that's a good way of thinking about it, right? So they said, as our top line grows, we now have 2% to play with. That could be 20 grand, 200 grand, 2 million, right? Depending on the top line. So do you want to go out and hire people or do we want to do a combination of hiring and raises for everybody or bonuses, Mm -hmm. right? So that's what I mean by the actual growth of the organization. That's why you put your foot in your gas and you're growing it. You're able to basically increase other people uh, compensation wise because you're right. People want to have some sort of growth in compensation. Like who doesn't? I do as an employee employer, right? Yeah. Depending on what position I'm taking, right? Uh, everyone wants to grow their income. So creating... Well, I, I don't like talking in absolutes. Not everyone wants to increase their income. Let me, let me surprise this. Nobody's going to probably turn down growth in income. Sure. Well, unless there's a lot of extra work required and That's then they might. Point, yes. If, if all things the same... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Somebody probably you wouldn't certainly want to turn it down. No, <laughs> but you are right though. Cause is, uh, I've actually had conversations with you where you've been before like, Hey, I'd rather, instead of not getting a raise or anything, I'd rather just go out and hire this person and take off my plate, which yeah. you end up getting both by the way. But um, yeah, so, so. <laughs> it's a win-win. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, because well also as an employee, I feel if I, sometimes if I do keep getting increased income, you feel more I'm pressure, good, more to, pressure yeah. to do even more point. when it's not really even my job, yeah. you know, in quotes yeah. to do it, but I do feel the pressure yeah. to do it, which yeah. is self-imposed. I know, but still. Well, it is, but if it's real and you're feeling it, then you're feeling it. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta figure that out. So what else on the, on the, so number the, the yeah, three so things to do to kind of really retain your employees is number one, culture, be very clear on what that looks like. Vision goes along with culture, know where you're going, right? Be clear on the culture, but also make sure that you're in like, take, um, what do I want to, what do I want to say? Like, uh, the pulse check occasionally yeah. on your employees, like make sure they're still in alignment with what that culture is. Yes. Yeah. That's great. There's actually a good example that you could do like kind of like a motivational book or get the book. You could just Google it and you can figure out how to do that. It's pretty easy. It's like a 30 to 45 minute exercise you can do with your employees, particularly the ones that you run and kind of give you a quick check to see if you're in alignment there. Mm-hmm. It actually just gives it more in depth conversation with people too. It's, it gets beyond the surface level or the work project type conversations. It gets beyond to like, Hey, what are your, 
how you doing? Yeah. Right. Those type of conversations. Number two is growth, growth, mm-hmm. personally, professionally growth of, of the organization to be able to, uh, fund, um, additional income should they want it or additional opportunities or leverage for the organization as well too. Yes. Anything that there? Well, then the third one is compensation. Yes. We we're talking about that. Yeah. About yeah. growth. But I, I do think specifically with the compensation, it, it isn't just waiting around for an employee to ask what or ask for a raise. Yeah. It's being more proactive and building in incentive programs or building in bonus structures um, or making sure they're very clear in what the annual review process look like looks like. And you might do a percent um, cost of living increase, but they know this, right? Yeah. So they know where some additional money is coming or they know if they hit this this deadline on this massive project, everyone's going to get a 10% bonus. Um, and then of course, having being clear that there's also merit-based raises along along the way. You know, what's funny is I've had the opportunity to talk with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners. And as their incomes have increased, people call and they ask how to increase. They, they have this internal struggle where they want to raise other people. They know that, that they know they should be raising people's income or giving bonuses, but then they have a tough time actually doing it. And it's not that they don't want to, they're just trying to figure out, they come to me and they said, well, why am I struggling with this so much? What do you mean? They just don't well, no, like, so they say a company went from 500,000 in income to a million, right? Okay. Yep. And they're like, but I don't really want to share any of that. Ah, I see. And it's like, it's it like, wasn't the mechanics that they didn't understand. No, it was they the, understand the mechanics easily. <laughs> and it's pretty easy it to raise the, somebody. <laughs> and, but what they're not, what yeah. they're saying is they're actually being real because they're going, yeah, Hey, like great. I'm trying to figure out why I feel so torn as to want to give a prop, like a, even a $50,000 bonus to the whole organization, even though we increased $500,000. Why do you think that is? I'm curious as well. Well, I think, um, I think people get into being a little bit of self-index, like, Hey, I started this. They get that yep. story. Like it was me. We got here. And it's a lot of it's true. They, yes. they're like, they don't see I took the risk. Uh, they I don't see all the yeah. money I put in originally. Now I'm getting this back. They don't see any of that stuff. So there's this, they, and they'll even recognize this. I know I'm just telling myself a story. Right. Yeah. Um, and then it's so, a certain, I mean, like you said, it, to a certain degree, it's true. It's like it they're is. finally yes. getting, reaping the yes. rewards of yes. all of the risk and, and uh, um, investment that they made in time and money. So the then, years. so the, the question I always go back to is like, so, okay, you go and ask and say, who are the people that you care about the most in your organization that mean the most? So meaning that there would be a, there would be a major hole if they left, go sit down with them and make sure they're taken care of. Do you ever sit down and find out what that looks like? Right. Then I want you to do number. The second thing I want you to do is figure out a base number that makes sense for you as an, as an owner, right? Maybe that's a hundred grand, 50 grand, 500 grand, 5 million, whatever that number is, probably not 5 million, but you just say, once I get paid this, I'm willing to share some. It's kind of like your base number. On an annual basis. Yeah, on an annual basis. Like whatever that number is, you go, okay. Because people say, I want to input a profit share plan together. But then they they put a profit share together at 100,000. They start feeling really guilty paying it out every single month. So, and, and trust me, this is real with them, with business owners. They're going, I put this in place and I don't know how to unravel it because it's uh, killing me. It's like every time I write this out, I have resentment against my employees now. So I always, I always go back and say, find that number that, you know, once you get past this, you're going to feel really good about it. Or, you know, at least you consciously made this decision about what it looks like and you pick it. If it's, if it's 250, if it's 500, right. Somewhere around there. And all of a sudden after that, you're willing to share 5% of your profits, right? Mm-hmm. Are you okay with going from making 500 and then sharing 50, you know, 25,000 from 500 to hundred thousand with some of your three or four of your employees, right? Are you willing to do, is that a good number for you? Yes or no. And there's no right or wrong answer. There's no number that I'm, I'm just giving examples. Yeah. 500 is an easy number, but it could be a 50 grand and you're willing to do some of that, right? Depending on the size of the business and the scalability of the business too, right? Some organizations 
like an individual retail shop or a restaurant shop may not get to half a million dollars in income. They may, they may be 150 to 300, right? Cause you look at most like subway shops or different things, they make like 75 grand in income. Yeah. So you just have to figure out what that looks like. And then again, then I always, then I would go is, well, how can you continue to grow your world so that these numbers become smaller and smaller and mean less and less? Meaning that to you to give $50,000 more or $10,000 raise to somebody isn't the same impact as it is now. And so it's just a really interesting thing because people struggle yeah, with yeah, that. that and then an employee on the other side, the employee goes, man, I helped build this thing. I'm not being worried. I mean, and, and, and the thing is they get that. They yeah. understand. I go, I understand what it is, but they're missing this entire piece. Like, so there's like, I know. how do you bridge the truth? Right. Yeah. And I think part of that is, is, is being open, having the conversations and doing what we just talked about, which is being very clear in your vision, being very clear in your growth, being very clear in your culture. Right. And then being very clear in compensation, which means just have the conversations, like you said, being right, very right. proactive. And just having all of these, the growth plans, the compensation plans, like the culture written down, Yes, you know, organized so that people do see their path, path forward in, with the company instead of their path forward is to leave. Yes. I love it. Well, again, thanks for joining us today. The number one way to help others find this show is by hitting the subscribe button. So if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening right now. That way this show can continue to grow and inspire people to join us on the journey of personal growth through business success. It's a small ask, but it does make a huge difference. Thanks for listening to Hallie and I today. In 2020 alone, 4.4 million businesses started and 20% will fail within one year. That's just statistics. There are a ton of reasons why businesses fail to launch or grow, but there is a right way and a wrong way to get started. That's exactly what Founders Playbook is all about. This live three-week course is about getting your business started the right way and developing yourself into the leader who can survive the ups and downs of building a business. Starting December 1st, we're going to talk about how to know if you're ready to start a business, the first steps to building a business that will last, how to avoid common mistakes, how to get clear on your vision and purpose, and much more. We're going to break everything down into bite-sized pieces so you won't feel overwhelmed and you can start implementing the tactics into your life and business right away. Sign up for free by heading to adamhergenrother.com slash events, and we will link to the event in the show notes. Join me this December so you'll be ready to grow your business before the new year.